The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Well, hello and welcome to Big Universe. I'm excited to be here with you today. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. Joining me today is my spectacular co-host, spiritual rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah's the author of Sacred Sendoffs, an animal chaplain's advice for surviving animal loss, making life meaningful, and healing the planet. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I'm feeling green. Green? What do you mean green? Well, you'll have to listen to the episode to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the the palette of colors, the the crayon box of colors. Yeah, the crayon box of colors, folks. So uh, keep listening, and you'll hear a little bit about that. But uh, but I'm feeling a little, um, you know, springy and sassy, and uh, and I'm attributing that to the color green today. And congratulations, your book won an Nautilus Award. It did, yeah. Sacred Sundoffs took a Nautilus in uh, two categories in. Um, in pets and animals, and then in um, in loss and grief. So that's it's nice. It's nice. It's nice when you know inside you've done something that's val- valuable and feels good. And it's also nice when other people tell you that it is too, that it's useful. And so I think book awards. Uh, sometimes book awards can can be you know an ego piece, and other times they can just be a gee, I'm glad that that other people found this useful. So there you go. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we're going to be talking with Summer McStravick today, and she's going to get us all kinds of great information about being in the flow and and working with our experiences to get to reinvent ourselves. And one of the things that she talks about and that we're going to discuss is dead zones and, you know, places in our lives where we've come to a standstill and we need to reinvent. Um, and I'm sure you've been there. I certainly have been there. Um, where, and I'm in there right now, actually. I'm trying to reinvent myself to see, okay, what am I doing next? Who's, who's the next iteration of Jim? And um, I'm really excited to speak with her about that because I think it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, it, you know, I think about, well, now I'm someone I've mentioned on this podcast before. I'm, you know, I'm a 12-stepper. So there's the the clear the clear dead zone, which was the day where I realized like, hey, some of the things I'm doing in my life, you know, just can't happen anymore. There needs to be reinvention, and reinvention in that case was in in recovery. Um, I've also had some reinventions of career, um, and 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 I also think while I was reading Summer's book about um, the littler stucks. You know, the mornings that you wake up and you think, I just, I just don't want to. Yes, yes. Whatever that is, you know, I just don't want to. Can I pull the sheets up over my head? And, and I don't want to. And and I am someone who's had many of those days too, where, mm-hmm. you know, I consider it, consider it a success if I can get up and I can brush my teeth and get some food myself that day. Yeah, I've been there too. Yeah. Right. That, that, that there's, there's small stucks. And then there's big stucks. And, and if the small stucks, if it's just one, if it's one day and then the next day I'm up and, and at them again, um, you know, that that's one thing. But if they, if they happen over uh, a long time, then, <laughs> then I'm calling my therapist for sure. But I, I appreciate in Summer's book, a lot of the different, um, she has some sass and some snark, snark and some creativity and some really good ideas about how we can reframe these places when you wake up and just be like, I don't want to. <laughs> My inner 12-year-old is having a temper tantrum and I don't want to. And that that crayon box of colors, you know, choosing that emotional endpoint, I think is really helpful. And I think we're going to find out more about that. 
Yeah, like waking up and feeling gray and wondering what would it be like to be yellow? Or even if I can't get all the way to yellow, <laughs> what might it be like to be like that dark orange yellow, maybe? You know, right. the darker colors in the palette. Maybe I can't get fully bright, but maybe I can get a little, a little more color in, in my grayness. So I think it's I think it's a useful book and I'm looking forward to what Summer uh, wants to share with us about it. All right. Do you have a quote for me today? I do have a quote for you today, Jim. It's a bit of a loquacious one, but here we go. It doesn't matter how long we may have been stuck in a sense of our limitations. If we go into a darkened room and turn on a light, it doesn't matter if the room has been dark for a day, a week, or 10,000 years. We turn on the light and it is illumined. Once we contact our capacity for love and happiness, the light has been turned on. Ooh, the light has been turned Ooh. on. Ooh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> that is Sharon Salzberg, uh, who you may know is the co-founder of the Insight Meditation Society, and that's from her book, Loving Kindness. Neat. What Neat. have you got today? The world is full of magic things, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. Oh, say that again. The world is full of magic things, patiently waiting for our senses to grow sharper. I love that. Where did you get this? W.B. Yeats. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Pretty well cool. done, Jim. See, you know what? Sometimes you only need five or six words. That's right. That's go. right. Get in the well flow. Done. Get in the flow. All right. Well you ready done. to get into the interview? Let's flow. Summer McStravick is a personal growth coach, author, podcaster, and creator of Flow Dreaming, a mind-body technique for manifesting and growing inner emotional strength and of ME and of ME school, a life-changing personal growth program that happens every autumn. Her latest adventure is a year-round monthly membership program, Flow On, where she teaches spiritual growth seekers how to fuse manifesting into their da daily lives. Summer's new book is Stuff Nobody Taught You, 40 Lessons from ME School to Help You Stop Being Miserable and Start Feeling Amazing. Welcome to Big Universe, Summer. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Sarah. It's so great to have you here. Now, our first question is, what is ME School? Right. Um, technically it's m.e.school.m.whatever. <laughs> I call it, <laughs> I just call it me school nowadays, um, because it ends up being a school about you and your own personal uh, potential, your growth. Um, so it, it really forms the basis of the book that I just came out with. Um, like you just mentioned stuff, nobody taught you. I've been teaching for about, this will be my 10th year coming up and, my goal was to move people beyond the basic concepts of manifesting and energy work and, and show them that once you learn how to create or make things or kind of shape your life, it becomes a question of how big do you want to take that? Like what's getting in the way? And so that's where Me School was, was born, um, helping people shoot past their current set of goals and realize that, oh, I've been playing way too small. <laughs> that's it. Nutshell answer. Excellent nutshell. Excellent nutshell. So your book is very much about reinvention, which is which is awesome. It's something I need in my life. And I think everybody has to go through that, you know, multiple times in their lives. We're always constantly uh, reinventing ourselves. Why did you decide to write this book? Yeah, well, scroll back with me a couple of years. It's like May 2020. And we're all just starting to realize that this might go on for a while. With that shell oh, shock. Oh, I remember you know? how that. Oh felt. yeah. You remember yeah, that I remember one? Remember May twenty twenty. <laughs> and you just kind of went, "Oh, that they said to close down for three weeks, and now it's six, and now all the kids are going to be home permanently, and oh my God, what is happening?" Um, it was during that time that I realized we were all going to be going through a reinvention forced on us this year. Um, something that most people would never look for. Like most of us avoid, we run from reinvention as fast as we can. We like things to be normal and calm. We like to know what the heck is going on. So we're all cast into this funny space that 
just kind of bled on for year after year. And I said, you know, this is a perfect time to help people move through this process and come back out of it. Because when this ends, we are going to be different. Every single one of us is going to be a different human being impacted in ways that we did not seek out, but nonetheless, we're here. So what can we do with this? How, how do we re-emerge um, better people? <laughs> people that actually grew during this time. People who, you know, I always joke that what COVID did, what the pandemic did is instead of doing all the outward stuff, you know, traveling and building things outside of us, we were all collectively forced to build things inside of us. Which is very scary, which can be very scary. Yeah, yeah. So it, it led me to say, okay, I've been teaching a program that really shows people how to grow to the next level. Um, and maybe I, I can remind people that we reinvent ourselves all the time. Just usually it's not with desire or purpose to do so. <laughs> it's more like one crummy thing happens and, oh, I got laid off. I got to reinvent myself in my career. Oh, my kids left home for college. Now I have to reinvent who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Oh, you know, I got divorced or I had a baby. Well, now who am I? So I want to remind people that you can actually master each one of these and look forward to them and expect them and see how they lead you into that next space in yourself. So that's why I wrote it. So the I want to go straight to the dead zone. The dead um, zone. The dead zone. Um, because <laughs> that's where a lot of us emerge. You know, we get to this place where we're, we're you know, like you said, we're, we're, we've been fired or something, or we've left a job, or we, we've had these changes in our lives. And we wind up in this place where we just don't know what to do. And I guess I, one of the things I appreciate your book is that, um, you know, you talk about your own dead zones very honestly. You know, you, you give that insight to what you've gone through in, in experiences and when you've uh, been forced to, to reinvent. And I, I guess, what is the dead zone? What do we talk about when we talk about the dead zone? And you know, then I want to get into, you know, what are some steps to get out of the dead zone? Yeah. Well, first of all, this is not a zombie flick, even though it would be, you know. Darn it. We do like zombie we flicks. We do like zombie I flicks. Do. We do like zombie But that's okay. <laughs> Another podcast. Walking yeah. Dead or whatever. But um, no, the dead zone actually, it struck me years ago. I was reading an article about um, the Pacific Ocean. And a lot of the zones off the coast in the water that have become absolutely devoid of oxygen because of algal blooms and temperature changes and so forth. Yeah. And everything that swims in it dies. Nothing can survive in it. And these things are massive. I mean, sometimes they're miles. And I thought, you know, I feel like sometimes in our lives, we also hit patches like this. We're the little fishies that accidentally swum in one. And we're like, how do, how do I get out of this as fast as I can? So really what it describes, Jim, is like you just said, um, that, that point where you kind of grind to a halt or you, you start to feel, you know, people often say, I'm stuck. I don't know where to go next. Uh, I feel like all the opportunities that I'm looking at in front of me, I don't like any of them. And mm -hmm. you're asking me to pick one. They all suck. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's a recognition. But another thing I teach a lot about is emotion and how your emotion are um, indicators. You know, they're like stoplights on the road, essentially green lights, red lights, don't turn, you're turning <laughs> things like slow down for this curve. The dead zone has certain feelings that are inside of it. Uh, one of them is often uncertainty or I'm, I'm angry. I don't, I'm lost. And instead of looking at those, like there's something wrong with me, I say, oh, no, 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 no. Those are your mile markers. Hmm. They're telling you you're in the midst of something. That's awesome. Like you're, you've shifted from one place and now you're going somewhere else. And those feelings are letting you know it's happening, right? So we really pivot our understanding of what a lot of our emotions are teaching us. So to get out of the dead zone, right? That's what you want. Which to is like, which is what most of the book is about. So I want you know in five seconds, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So there's many, 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 many chapters. So every chapter in the book, I'm talking about a new strategy or technique for reinvention, for kind of peeling back, seeing what we've got here, uh, poking around a little bit, and then slowly healing, fixing, putting things together, and then finally strengthening and and moving forward. Um, one of the best things that I always start with with my students for um, 
encountering the dead zone is I, I teach them two methods of creating change in your life. One is what I call pre-action and one is what I call inspired action. And, you know, they're, they're kind of old tropes to some of us, right? Like, okay, I've heard inspired action, blah, blah, blah. But the way I teach it is there's inside work that you do and outside work. There's emotional, energetic mindset stuff, spirit stuff, stuff you do for your heart. And then there's stuff outside you, the things you plunge your hands in and build, how you spend your time. Most of us are hooked on one area more than the other. Like one area is so comfortable. Like I know so many people who work themselves to burnout, but they never really stop and think, what am I doing? Right? They just think if I work more and harder, something will happen. Others of us, we're more on the pre-action side. So I, I, I make a distinction between reaction and pre-action. Right? Reaction is when we're responding to things outside of us. Pre-action is when we're the ones generating the energy, generating the sight, the vision. And we're telling the outside world, respond to me instead, right? It's really pulling the power back. So some of us like to hang out in the pre-action zone. We just feel all the time. Like, this is how I'm going. This is what's happening for me. I can feel it. I can see it. I can envision it. But when it comes to actually like going out the door and firing up the computer or, you know, going for the job, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to do any of that stuff. <laughs> so I start with teaching people, hey, we got to get in some balance here. We need to have both. If you want the universe to start giving you better options and more stuff, if you want to look around the dead zone and start to see some little lifeboats, you know, circling around, we need to make some movement. So we're going to do pre-action work or energy work, and we're going to do physical action work. And then from there, I come up with a series of things like restocking your pantry and, and so forth. I have little names for all of them. That makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. I, I wondered, would you mind walking us through one of your dead zones, something that happened in your life and how you sort of reinvented yourself? Know, blah, blah, blah. Deep, deep see, question. Give, that's off the top of your I head. Know, I know. I give examples of three or four, actually. Um, I would say one of the first, well, there's one in the book I didn't even remember. Um, going way back, I, I had left high school early as a student, um, didn't finish. Um, well, I just finished 10th grade <laughs> I left and, um, I ended up finding myself back in college, um, because I was going to study opera. I actually had a professor who was affiliated with the local, um, opera house. And she said, come into my program, you should be in college. And so I went there and after about a year and a half of being way over my head, you know, I was a 16 year old with all these 20 year olds around me. Uh, I ended up having a really massive and difficult um, appendectomy mm. where mm -hmm. I almost died. Basically, oh my goodness. They, they diagnosed it. Yeah, I got sepsis, mm. um, mm. gangrene, even. They're like, oh, it's gangrene. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? You were overachieving here on the uh, medical front. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it ruined I mean it just it just ruined I was like I cannot oh. go back to that atmosphere again and I that was probably the very first crisis and I said what am I going to do now like I dropped out of high school I'm I just dropped out of college I'm 17 <laughs> where mm -hmm. and and you know you know I mean it's hard enough when you graduate high school and you actually have a track in mind but to get dumped out of it so early so then I hit my next dead zone um in my late 20s I did find my way back to school. I decided I was going to go into publishing and literature and run a literary magazine. And I dumped $30,000 of my own money into it that I worked for every penny of it um, as a graphic designer. Right? I went through so many circular, circuitous <laughs> routes. And eventually the magazine, we had to just fold it one day. Hmm. My husband and I looked at each other and we were like, God, now what? Like, how do we do this? How do we go from here? So, yeah. I mean, really, I've had bump after bump. Got cancer when I was 43. Talk mm -hmm. about a dead zone. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I could go on. I've had many. And I really appreciate that. You know, it's it's one thing to write about it in, in terms of things you can do, but it's another thing to actually feel that the person writing has the experience, you know, has, has been through it. And so I, I really appreciate that in the book. Yeah. I would say like, you can trust the message and you can trust the messenger. Sometimes you only trust the message, not the messenger. It means the message is still good, but I try to live up so you can trust both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do we get to the place where we, you know, when we're in that dead zone, how do we get to the place where we 
believe that reinvention is possible. Yeah. I think that's one of my chapter titles, right? I think it might be. It might be. I've read your book. (laughs) You read it. You read it. Um, Yeah. I think there comes just a moment. I don't want to say bottoming out. I mean, for some of us, what it takes, some of us, it's just like a moment or a day of just absolute utter frustration. So I'll go back to the the mention of like when I, I got stage two breast cancer, which means it had spread to icky places, you know. And there was a day when I realized, you know, everyone's telling me stay strong and, you know, kick cancer's butt. And I had a choice. Like, do I want to stuck my head and go through this and sideline it and try not to think about it? Or how do I really want to go through this? And it, it was a real decision that I had to make. If I'm going to be a different person after this, do I want to embrace this and see who I am through the whole experience? Or do I just want to suffer along and get through it and try to like pretend it wasn't there? Hmm. And it was, a, it was a decision that I ended up making because I realized the one way would just be about kind of medicating my feelings all the way through. The other way was, oh my God, there's, you know, I happen to believe my spirituality is that every single thing that we get is important. Every single thing we get, there is going to be a prize on the other side. Just some things we get, we're like, it's not worth it to get to the prize. I don't even want this thing. But I say the word I use for this is cherry picking. Like we often want to cherry pick with the universe. You know, when you you pick all the good strawberries out of a basket and you you kind of move it around in the grocery store, like you're not supposed to do it all, but people do it. That's not cherry picking, (laughs) that's strawberry picking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... I say, look, we try to do that with things that happen to us in our lives. Like the good stuff. Oh, I want that. The bad stuff. No, no, no. I'm going to move that strawberry out. I'm like, no, you you got all of them for a reason. Hmm. So let's go in and find out and unpack what's what's there and, and what's in it. Hmm. So that's my choice. And that's what I try to do with everything now um, and really kind of skill myself up so that when I do encounter those things where... I have to make that decision. I can say, all right, I got another moldy strawberry. What am I going to do with this? Who am I going to be with this experience? And what prize is on the other side of it for me? Hmm. I, I love that. I'm going to start <laughs> looking at things as moldy strawberries. <laughs> yeah. It's very, very useful summer. There's a lot of, a lot of useful things in this book. One of the things that I really latched onto um, was some of the way that you talked about trust. And I noticed you know, in spiritual truth, so I'm, I'm, I teach interfaith studies. So, you know, I'm always looking at things that show up over and over again. And this idea of three, like the power of three that we see in, in, in Wicca or pagan traditions or the Trinity that we see in Christian traditions, we see three in Hinduism. We see, you know, this idea of, of threes and you have, you have a three, you have a trifecta of trust. Would you tell us a little bit about that and why it's useful? Yeah, um, great question. I didn't realize it was an unusual thing to have stumbled on, but people are like, wow, I've never heard this before. And I say, okay, I work with thousands of people. And when I work with them and sort of go in, and so I energetically align and help people with what I call their flow or their their flow, their movement through life and where they get blocked and where they're you know, flowing and moving. And I often see one of three or two of three or even three of three what i call these little broken areas areas that kind of just gotten chipped away over time and we don't realize it we tend to think that broken trust just happens between people like you broke my trust you lied you went behind my back but it actually happens in multiple areas we break trust with ourselves. for instance um again when i had cancer my body betrayed me i was just astounded like why would you do this what did I do to you? I was vegetarian for 24 years. I, 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 I sure as heck shouldn't have had this happen. Why? And I realized that I was no longer able to trust myself, my own being. And I had to say, okay, I need to rebuild trust in me. Sometimes we break our own inner trust when we've attempted something and um, maybe we didn't follow through. Like we started a little business and then we just kind of let it peter out and they're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I always do this. I can never finish. I can never, we end up breaking trust with ourselves, losing faith. 
The second area then is trust of others. So there's trust of self, trust of others. Trust of others isn't just the one crappy. Ooh, can I say that? One you can say that. You can say that. Or we've moldy had, strawberry. We, we've had people say much worse. So don't worry about that. <laughs> yes. You've said much worse. I've said much worse. You're all right, Summer. <laughs> you won't have to mark this one E explicit, okay? No, no. <laughs> no, not, not yet. I'll, I'll be a, not yet. I'll be a good girl. Keep listening, folks. <laughs> Yeah, but we think it's just between like one one bad thing that people do or that friendship that that crumbled. I often find that lack of trust of others starts oftentimes way earlier in life. Um, you're the kid, like if you were me, I was the last one picked for the, you know, the dodgeball team. Um, and the first one hit with the dodgeball because mm-hmm. I was a mm-hmm. wimpy girl. Um, and my understanding or 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 not being a lot of women feel this way too. Um I was intelligent, but it wasn't cool. So I had to pretend I wasn't intelligent to try to fit in. So I had to hide that big part of me, which meant covering and smothering it and secretly like, you know, getting all my good A's, but not telling anybody. This is a kind of break of trust of others. I stopped trusting that people would see me. I stopped trusting that they would want me. It sends a lot of us down a lone wolf path throughout our whole lives. I trust myself maybe to get things done and, and take, and so it's funny, you can start to see how different areas of trust go up and down. Like, okay, maybe I really trust myself. I will get it done. I will be the one who ultimately fixes things. <laughs> I will. will take care of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. But you, all of you, life, society, you don't want me. You don't like me. So I don't trust you. You know, that's just one, one dynamic. It's not always like that for people. Third area, I call it trust of the universe or trust of life. And again, this is an area we don't really think about. Um, and I like to say the universe or life as opposed to God, because everybody says, I trust God. I'm like, yes, I know, but <laughs> you don't trust life. And that trust is every time I try to do th- something good, it doesn't work out. Um, I-, I pick all the wrong you know, partners. Like life just doesn't give me opportunities. You know, I've struggled so long. Why? Is life not supporting me? I should be making decent money by now at this age. What is wrong? And we blame ourselves, but there's also starts to have this sense of, yeah, but life also hasn't really helped me. You know, if it had given me some big wins, I would be doing much better. Mm -hmm. So we start to realize that we have a kind of wariness. Like I need to yank all the the power back from my future, my life, what I call my, my flow, the universe, you know, is supposed to be kind of helping us along. And I say, I really don't trust you to do the right thing and help me constantly. You might every now and then, you know, if you feel like it, but you're not there by my side all the time. You're not a handrail I can hold every single day. So if I don't have a handrail and I'm going down a rocky mountain, basically I'm just like, well, I'm on my own. I'm on my own. And that's when we realize I've lost this trust in the universe and in life to help and support me. Now, when we start feeling like that, again, when I teach, say, you know, principles of manifesting or alignment, what we're giving out into the world is what the world tends to reflect back to us. Um, I always pretend like I'm surrounded by all these mirrors (laughs) and that's the outside world. It's reflecting me. You know, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm creating and being it's lining up all around me. So if I'm anticipating the universe isn't going to give me any good stuff, I've got to make it happen on my own, or it's just luck and I don't have any. Universe says, yes, ma'am. All right. Oh, then you're right. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to, you know, betray you and be, be away from you. And fine. That's how it is. And we don't even realize that that's the relationship we're in. I always say it's like being in a relationship with their actual partner. And if you had a partner that you kind of felt like he's there for me or they're there for me sometimes, but not all the time, I don't know if they'll really take care of me in the future. I don't even know why they're really with me. Maybe they're just hanging around, you know, like that lukewarm kind of place we can get to. Mm -hmm. You're in it, but you're not really in it. Yeah. Different places. So it's about, it rewinds into the king and the queen, the, the mind set and the the heart set um can you talk a little bit about the king and the queen in your perspective and and what do they represent what are they yeah 
Yeah. See, all these concepts sort of bleed into one another. Ultimately. They do. Yes. <laughs> yes. What I try to teach people is an entirely different way of looking at the world. Um, and through that process is sort of where you reach the reinvention because all the things that you felt were damaging to you or against you are no longer damaging to you or against you. So um, to shift over from the trifecta of trust, which by the way, we, we work to rebuild all of those three areas. Um, and then when you change in each one of those areas, the stuff around you gets triggered to change too, right? So we do all the inside work. So the outside stuff will start to align to the new person. The king and the queen is this concept. Um, and by the way, this is like gender neutral. It's it, 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 I'm just using it sort sure. of as a parable of of, of opposites. Yeah. Women can be um, king. Yes, can exactly. with that. Men can yeah. be queens. Yep. Go, yeah, we're sure they can. <laughs> I've known a few. <laughs> so um, you have these two people ruling the kingdom and they should be doing it equally. Notice how a lot of what I come back to is a very yin-yang um, kind of what a Taoism up in here, Summer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the twos and the threes. Those are that's it. Yeah. So you you've got the queen, which I call your heart, and you got the king, which I call your head. So the head is always telling us what we should do. Right? Do this, do that. This is a smart move. You should, you should, you should, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. The king often rules through fear. Because if you do that, that's not going to work out. You're going to be out on your butt on the street if you do that. Meanwhile, the queen is saying to you, do you know how I'm dying inside right now? Do you know how much I hate doing this? If I have to go to this job one more day, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need out. I need to, I need to grow. I need to have new experiences. So I make this this image of the queen is in her castle and she's walking along the, you know, the top and she's looking out at the fields and the streams. And she's like, I want out of this known zone. And the king says, you don't leave these castle walls. We've built something safe in here. This is working. It may not be working great. We may just be getting by, but it's here. It's, you're safe. So these two are kind of always at odds with one another. The, grow, the, the king says, um, life is about safety. Queen says, life is about growth. And usually the king wins for most people, right? Mm -hmm. Until they have those moments of breakdown. And where reinvention is necessary. Yeah. 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 And I ask them, think about like a big thing that happened to you in your life. Like it comes with a feeling. You know it intellectually what happened, but you may not even know. Like if I ask you, pick what was the person's name? What was their, how, who, how did they look? What address were you at? The king's like, well, I don't know. But the queen's like, you know how I felt? Yeah. I felt like this. And she is always the one who goes in and says, no more, king. She gets fed up. All the biggest changes in your life have been driven by her. So I'm trying to get people to say, maybe we ought to let her out a little more, trust her a little more, see where she actually leads. And a lot of us realize we have deep mistrust of what our heart wants. We just don't trust it at all. Like if I listen well to said. you, bad things will happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, well said. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about power leaks. Oh, those are some of my favorites. <laughs> it oh, sounds they're, like, they're not it fun. It sounds like something we should not be excited about. <laughs> but, yeah, but summer is I excited. So please, leaks. please, please tell us, tell us about power leaks. Yeah. All right. You know, all those plugs that are in your house. That, that are constantly sucking, they call it phantom power, like the television that's plugged in and, you know, the, the I was going to say VCR. Oh my God. Oh my uh, gosh. Oh my I have, a, v I have a VCR plugged in. No, I have a VCR <laughs> plugged really? in right over there. Oh so my I'm God. Have that. All right. Woman <laughs> of my age group. Um, yeah. So these are drawing power that we're not really aware of. They're just sort of sucking it from us. So there's something I call your inner battery, which again, sort of aligns with chi or prana, a lot of um, ideas about we come with a certain amount of essence or energy or oomph. And it's supposed to last our lifetime. It can decline, of course, over the years. Like, well, you know, every day, you also come with a certain amount of energy or power. That's why at night you've expended it. You've expended it, not just physically, but emotionally. Like you wonder why you're binging Netflix at night. You used up all your inner power by like 4.52 p.m. The rest of the day, 
you're just like, I have nothing. So I'm, I'm just going to drink in stuff, but I have no stuff left to give. That's one form of power leaks. The things in your day, the things in your life, the external stuff that just draws from you, draws from you, draws from you. There are other kinds of power leaks though that I call your interior leaks. And these are ways that you think about yourself, expectations that you have. And by the way, we go through processes to open up and identify every one of these. Mm -hmm. um, an inner power leak might be something like, um, I'm just not smart enough to, I'm going to use like run my own company, start my own side hustle. I've tried it. I'm just not good at it. I hate it. I hate social media. It never works for me. I'm just no good at it. So right there, you might hear, oh, that sounds like a limiting belief. Yeah, it kind of is. But you know what it also is? What you're saying then is there's something inside you that's not good enough. And now you're going to be okay with that. You've just explained it to yourself. Now you know. Now you feel comfortable with that. Hmm. Right? You feel reconciled to it. Now you have a perfect reason not to do the thing that your heart, your queen is begging for you to do. So I say, that is a power leak. What did you give your power away to? We often do it with other people. We'll be like, you know, if my husband would just start doing the darn dishes, like, you know, if he would just- You haven't been talking what? to my wife, have you, with that? <laughs> yeah, change the toilet paper roll, right? I got to say, my husband does both. Wonderful. And make sure I'm the, the paper is going it. out the right direction instead of the lazy <laughs> direction. <laughs> I'll tell you, Sorry. I am so- lazy doing that that i had my husband change all the paper the paper toilet paper rolls in the house from the kind that have the little spring thing so you can just stick annoying. it on top yeah so now i have the one that just slides in like that and i i change the <laughs> rolls now and he's like i can't believe we had to do that for your laziness i'm like well yeah, i don't like to spend a whole lot of time on the toilet so <laughs> we won't go there <laughs> sorry anyway, i derailed i derailed so us a little bit there sorry about that so here you are, you've got somebody else in your life. You're like, if they would just do this. So what's happened is you're needing a certain feeling from them. Like my partner needs me, needs to do certain things for me to feel appreciated, valued. Like my needs are as important as their needs. And they're going to show it to me. That's actually a powerless position to be in. Hmm. Because you can't feel valued and loved, adored, seen until they do certain things, the ball's in their court. Now they may get it and be like, oh my God, yeah, I want, I definitely want to make you feel that way. Or they may not get it. And they may not get it for like a thousand different reasons. Maybe they just didn't wake up to it. Maybe they're just not there yet. Meanwhile, you're dependent on them. You're relying on them to feel a certain way about yourself. I'm loved, I'm worthy, I'm lovable, I'm adored. You see what I'm getting at? Hmm. You want to have those feelings about yourself mm -hmm. first because they may or may not ever come around. And you may go to the next partner and have the same experience and the next partner and have the same experience. So we often tend to, you know, drag these things with us when really I want you to be giving that to yourself. We do that with jobs. You know, they're not promoting me. They're not giving me good, you know, tasks. They're micromanaging me. They don't see me. I want to feel um, that I am valued and worthy and competent and given leadership. I, I want to feel that. And I'm waiting on my boss or my coworkers. And frankly, you know, a lot of people, it's not their job to give you those feelings. Mm -hmm. It's just not their job. They're working on getting their own feelings from other people. So that's in, a really, in, really good point. I, I think because there's a lot of I hear a lot recently of, I feel offended or I feel upset because such and such didn't such and such. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea of expecting each person in our life to fill all of our needs, that one person, instead of being able to have, you know, a network of, you know, the, these folks I go to here, yeah. these folks I go to here, but that best network is the one inside. Yes. Yeah. It's a so really great. excellent point, Summer. Thank you. So if, if, you know, my goal is that I want everybody self-generating um, all the feelings that they want the world to give them. Because if you look around, you have so many expectations. If I get this, then I'll feel that. If I get a house, then I'll feel safe. 
If I get a raise, then I can put it into my retirement. Then again, I'll feel safe. And I'm always saying, why don't we find the ultimate feeling that you want to get? And then you look around on all the things in your life that you're, you're thinking you need to have to get those feelings. And we notice it becomes a moving horizon. We get the thing and we still don't have all And you want feelings. something new. Then you need something else <laughs> to give you that feeling. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, and you're like, how come it never really gets there? Because you're always asking these outside things to plug a hole that's, that's inside of you when you just need to plug it inside you. I am safe. I have money. I am valued. I am seen. I have leadership. I am competent. And then it's so funny because, you know, people will say, well, I don't have any basis to feel that way. I've never, never proven that or seen that. And I say, okay, just play a game with me. I just want you feeling that way about yourself starting now. You have no reason. Totally granted, agreed. But if you start feeling that way, it's like, it's like if you're, again, if you're surrounded by walls of mirrors and you light up with a beautiful lemony yellow glow of, I am incredibly competent and on top of things. Now, everything around you is reflecting lemony yellow glow. All the options in your life, all the things that weren't making you feel competent are now getting a different energy from you. They're getting a different response from you. We're breaking the cycle at that point. And so in my practice, I call it flow dreaming. I actually have my students practice these emotional states every single day mm. until it becomes something where they can say, you know what, I can call up a feeling of deep you know, inner power. Like, hell yeah, that's what we're going for. And in some of us, we're already practicing this. Like when people do a gratitude practice, a lot of people can call it gratitude really quickly because they feel like it's a good one. It's not about me. It's about me appreciating others in life, right? It's an easy one to, to bite off. But when I say you are the most powerful thing in your life, you are the most powerful thing in your life. Nothing is more powerful than you. You dictate everything, every decision all through your day. Yeah, you don't dictate what happens and what gets thrown to you, right? That's outside life throwing you the ball. But if you're the pickleball player, you're, you're holding the handle and you're able, you choose it all. Can you feel that for me now? Can you let life know that you're coming from that perspective now? And I mean, we do that with all kinds of other, other things, you know, not just say inner power, but I happen to love inner power. So. <laughs> it's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. I know we're going off at all these deep, deep corners. <laughs> no, that's that's excellent. I'm happy about that. I think, um, you know, I I, I want to get into some tools um, in a little bit, but I have a couple of questions about some of the other, I don't know, power leaks, or I think you call them weasels, weasels in the, ro <laughs> in the road. Um, I, because I hit some of these sometimes with lack thinking and, and backward looking and that sort of thing. I wondered if you could, I mean, these are power leaks too, in a sense. Um, how do you, how do you deal with that when you're trying to reinvent yourself and you're backward looking, you know, how do we get beyond that impulse and move forward on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So the weasels in the road is, um, I think a really important chunk of the book. I actually had to withdraw a, a number of chapters from that, that maybe I'll go into my next book <laughs> because basically it's a chapter where I outline a lot of very typical patterns that I see in people. Um, so the one you mentioned, backward looking girl, again, I use the word girl and I should be more considerate of my my pronouns at this point, but I, I, I started using that phrase way back about my own self. <laughs> so I call myself backward looking girl. And it refers to um, a particular energy pattern where you're looking back in your life and saying, that's when things were great. That's when I, that's when I made it. That was the best point. And you're looking forward in your life and you're feeling like, how do I get that again? Will I ever get that again? And we struggle and we strive, but there's always this pull that the future is probably not going to be as good as where we already were. And so one of the techniques actually, and this is something I, I was sharing with my classes just this month is a new phrase. I have something called magic phrases that I use to help like shift that. What would make the next 10 years feel like the most amazing decade of my life? 
what would make the next 10 years feel like the most amazing decade of my life? And as you, you have a response when I say that, like a part of you goes, yeah, because I kind of wasn't thinking it was going to be. That's the little thing I want to find. How much of, how much of that? Yeah, because I kind of didn't think it would be. Because if you can capture that moment of resistance to that, that phrase, now you understand that you've got some backward looking girl in you. Hmm. And I don't know how it got there, but it's there. So let's work on that. Because if there's a resistance to that, again, life is hearing you. And it's saying, okay, they think life will be okay, but not as good. All right, guys, let's make sure life is okay, but not as good. By the way, I always call life like my construction crew. And sometimes I'm shouting out like I'm the foreman. <laughs> the foreman of my life is shouting back to me. All right, she said, she said, don't make it quite as good as last year, okay? I'm like, okay, <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> so um, to get out of that, again, I'm asking and answering that question. And I'm having the realization. So like I'm I'm 51 years old. If I'm lucky, I'm in the middle of my life. And for me to like stop it now and say, done, all the good stuff happened in the first half of the game. And can you imagine a soccer team doing that? <laughs> no. So I say, look, you got 10 years, you got 20 years, you got 30 years. Like, really? You're, you're done? And then you realize, okay, yeah, but I'm actually kind of afraid Back then it was easier. You know, I just kind of did it. It just kind of mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. But as I look forward, I feel like, I don't know, there's more on the line. I've been kicked in the teeth a few times. Now I know what it means to lose something. Back then I didn't, right? So we kind of build up this funky little resistance to making that next half great. So we go in there again, we dig through it. We're going to do some emotional reconditioning or flow dreaming, depending on how you want to refer to it. And I'm going to say, how does it, what if you woke up and spent 15 minutes in a feeling state, a flow state um, of, gosh, this next year could be the biggest turning point I've had in ages. Might not be, but it could be. I'm willing. In fact, I would love life to make that happen, to show, I would love to have that experience. I'd be so grateful for that. I would embrace that feeling so much. So Yeah. Let's see what happens if this year is a big turning point. You know, if it's not, that's okay. Because every time I'm feeling that way, I'm basically, I call it like dumping out feelings into my life. Hmm. Whatever I'm feeling, whatever I'm experiencing at any given moment is now becoming part of me. It's me. It's trapped in me. It's trapped in my existence now for all of eternity and futures and past. So the more I'm adding in more of next year is the greatest year of my life. Now that's growing inside of me, that energy every single day. At a certain point, it's like a it's like dumping sand from one place to another, right? The other pile grows so big that the pile that said, no, you're not, the lack thinking pile gets much smaller. And there you have it. Now one day you truly are the person who is like, yeah, this is this has been a great year. Meanwhile, life around me is aligning to this new energy, this new awareness that I keep on consistently radiating. Mm. It's real different than fake it till you make it. Like mm -hmm. we're, there's no pretending here. It's just, this is how I intend. This is what I want to be and feel and expect. And I'm willing to risk being disappointed. I can risk that. But in the meantime, it feels good every day to have these great feelings. So there's no downside. There's a lot of philosophy packed into that whole process right there. And believe me, it's something you have to practice and you have to hear it over and over to start thinking about that every second through your day. And when you talked about the getting out of that, you know, all this is obviously about getting out of that dead zone and getting out of that place of action or experience, hitting those emotional endpoints versus, you know, just responding um, you, you give a couple of tools and I, I guess I, I, one of the things I want uh, listeners to, to come away with is if you're in that dead zone and, you know, you talk about, um, getting the, just moving into something, you know, putting the, the palette out there and just 
in just picking something. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, if you don't know what that next thing is that you want, can you talk a little bit about opening up to that? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in the first couple chapters of the book, so it, the book is written in a kind of funny way. Like I didn't want to just do like, do this, do this, do this, like a, you know, dry self-help manual, you know? Right, right. There's so many books like that. I wanted to say, okay, I'm going to go through this experience with you and share with you how I feel at every one of these junctions. So you're talking here about the junction of, I don't know what I want to do next. So as I sat down to write this book, you know, two years ago, I said, look, you guys, I don't know who I'm going to be at the end of this. Maybe I'm going to quit my business and become a travel writer. Maybe I will double down and decide that me school needs to expand, you know, exponentially. Maybe I'll make just become a straight up author, you know, and sell my company to somebody else. I don't know. I'm lost as to where exactly I'll be going. But I do know one thing. Sitting down and writing every day is making me feel so good. It's making me feel like this is the only thing that makes me feel so good. So that's one thing to have a recognition. You don't know where you're going to end up, but if there is one thing that makes you feel so good now, let's start with that, whatever that might be. A second thing I say is when you're in this dead zone and you're looking out there and I, I have a name for it. It's like none of the options on the table. <laughs> I call it more options, please. Right. Meaning I don't want this. I don't want that. And there's nothing go great you know what you're you're that person who hasn't been to the grocery store in three weeks and you're opening up your pantry and you're like i have peanut butter and pasta now what can i make from that i don't want any of that so say the only thing you have to do now you don't decide what you're going to make i want you to go collect some experiences for me just collect a bunch of experiences pick some things do them you don't have to know that you're going to love them. You might discover you hate it, but you need to restock that pantry. You need some ingredients. If you get some ingredients in there, life is then going to be able to help arrange them into combinations that you will like. So go grab some things. And I give examples, you know, in the book of like, go decide I'm going to take a weekly walk on the beach. Um, I am going to sign up for painting and wine class with a friend. Um, a funny one, I, I just popped into my life because by the way, you have to do this all the time, right? I'm always restocking my pantry because I'm realizing I'm always using ingredients from it, right? So I have to do this consistently to keep it full. I just signed up for a UFO conference. I've never Ooh. been to a UFO conference. Jam, jam. We'll talk fun. after the show, Summer. <laughs> Yeah. I get to go out in the desert and hear about all these like first person abduction stories. I just can't wait. Like I have no knowledge of UFOs, by the way. Like I, I just think it's going to be fun and I, this, it has no relation to my, my personal work, but maybe it's going to add some really interesting chili sauce into my pantry. And someday I'll pull that out and go, yeah, that, that was good. So the hardest part of getting out of the dead zone, frankly, is dragging yourself out to do these things because we can become so energetically retracted. Nothing sounds good. Going for a walk doesn't sound good. Painting class doesn't sound good. UFOs don't sound good. And again, that's where you have to, one, screen for depression, please. <laughs> you know, right, right, which is important, at. right? Yeah. Yes, it's sometimes your, your, your chemistry, like you get so energetically off, your body is also chemically off. You try mm -hmm. to fix one without addressing the other, again, balance folks, right? So you have to just say, I'm going to do these things because I love myself and I'm going to give these things to myself because I care. And then that drops us right back into that conversation of, are you loving yourself enough to give to you? Or are you going to be unloving to yourself and stay in this place? I love the concept of the crayon box of uh, crown box of, of feelings, you know, because, you know, as, as you're going through this healing process, you know, you, you, you tell us that you can make choices as to what those emotions are rather than just being reactive to them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And you can see, you know, one of the first reviews the book got was I, I expected a dish and I got a buffet. 
<laughs> there's all this so many different concepts here um I, I basically took a year-long live program and tried to condense all of the salient points into these chapters knowing that not every chapter will unlock something in a person my 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 feeling is that you'll read a chapter two and then boom there's your chapter that's where all your stuff is you know that was worth the whole book to you that one chapter so that's why it may sound like we're going here and we're going there. And I'm, ta I'm taking us all now. over the place. I, I apologize for that. It's just, <laughs> that there's so no. much to pick from that I'm picking here and there. Yeah, no, but I want I want you know everyone to know there is an actual arc of um, a very well thought out and well practiced. You know, about a thousand students have gone through this uh, live with me. Um, a, a practiced arc of progression that will like everything builds and makes more and more sense as you go along. So yeah, this, this crayon box, um, I call it the crayon box of emotion. And I have a long, I could talk for hours about emotion, but um, most of us distrust our emotions, right? And remember emotions are linked to your queen, to your heart. And we control our emotions. We medicate our emotions. We get mad at our emotions. Uh, most of us let our emotions simply be reactive. I feel something when something else happens. Like I'm really enjoying this interview with you. It's making me feel pleasure, right? So you're doing something. You have the power over how I'm feeling right now. That's how most of us go through all our lives, right? The crayon box is this understanding that we try to obviously go toward things that give us the good, you know, sunny, beautiful sunset colors. And we try and stay away from the rainy, dark cloud color feelings, right? So the pleasure pain response is what we're getting at here. Sure. So we're, again, when we're in that reactive state, we're, we're just trying to like figure out how do I respond to all the things around me? But remember this crayon box is you, you're the one who generates all these feelings, this kaleidoscope of them. And every feeling actually does something in your life. Um, we tend to think of feelings as just like ripples of, you know, neurochemicals that pass through us. Right. I say, no feelings, Feelings carve and shape things. Feelings um, direct. If you're a captain on a ship in the ocean, your feelings are turning the wheel, right? Your king is saying, well, we need to go there. And the queen's like, mm, but I want to go here, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking to create feelings inside of us first of how we want our life to respond. Instead of waiting for the outside again, we're making it inside. So I might say, all right, let's pick a really gorgeous, energetic orange. And I'm using orange as like, obviously it's a metaphor, like your feelings aren't orange. <laughs> but the feeling is, God, I have, I have um, action. And, and to me, orange does, it feels um, very active. Like I have action, I have positivity, I have passion. There's juice in this, like orange juice, right? I want to feel that in my life. I want things in my life to come to me that reflect that feeling. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to get, again, what I call pre-acting that feeling. I feel fired up today. I feel active. I feel passionate. I don't think about what, I just feel it. Like, I don't say I'm passionate about my work today. No, today I just feel like, oh, I'm on fire. I'm on top of things. There's so much energy. It's just excellence. Today is just a string of excellence. Like you can feel that energy, you can practice it. That's a harder one for most people to practice. I sometimes say, let's practice with the easier ones. How about some curiosity today? Everybody can feel curiosity. Like, go ahead, close your eyes, right? And feel some curiosity. Today, I'm really curious what will happen. I'm curious about how pleased I might feel. I'm curious about the wonderful pieces and parts that'll show up for me. So curiosity is a really interesting feeling because... It's easy to feel, but it also acknowledges it opens. Like if you, if you feel into that feeling, there's like an openness to it. You're, you're, you're allowing when you feel curiosity, not only that, but you're also kind of subtly signaling that I'm curious about good, beautiful things. You don't feel curiosity. Like, I wonder what terrible things will happen today. Right? So there's this implicit sense that good things are happening. Right. So it's like a double whammy. Now you've just told your life, Hey, guess what? I'm ready. I'm so open. And I know good things are happening. 
So every person needs their own particular set of feelings. And you can really drill down and create these feelings in, in different specific areas of your life. Um, and that's, again, you know, I have a, my process for that is called flow dreaming, um, where I lead people through like a guided, um, it's almost like a guided meditation, except that it's packed with feelings <laughs> and it goes into flow state. So it's a little different. It's like a cousin, <laughs> a cousin of meditation. But that's that's your your crayon box in a nutshell. So I hope you're intrigued. I hope you'll want to be intrigued. Yes. We are intrigued, and I'm thinking about all of the colors that I, I'm actually thinking about when I was a child and I had to pick my favorite color in like third grade and I said burnt umber, and the teacher was like, What? <laughs> I think I just like the way it it it's it um it sounded. But we are almost at the end of our journey here with summer and i i need to bring up one one place on a journey that's very very important i need to bring up disneyland so you say summer that <laughs> healing is like disneyland so what what do you mean <laughs> i know that's a funny one right it's a i love that one i like it and i like it in the metaphor of our journey together today so we are at disneyland what is disneyland like yeah okay so i live pretty close to disneyland i've been there a lot and um gosh during the day that place gets so used you know i mean kids are leaving their little sticky fingers all over the handrails and some people are, you know, barfing on the rides, things we never really see, you know, trash, old paper bags. And a good, well-used park day leaves a lot of litter and cleanup mm. at the end. Mm. It should. It should. And all the janitors come out at night after it closes. They work all night long. They sweep and clean and do all of that. And the next day, it's fresh and ready again. So... I make this analogy. When you, we go through life, we sometimes think that healing is something we have to do, get through, move on. And I say, oh, no, 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 no. You should be healing every single day. It's not like something you like, aha, I healed, I'm done. Every single day you're doing a little bit of healing. You know why? Because every single day you're creating a little bit of litter, right? Every single day, a few things should break along the way. If they're not, then you're living way too safely. You're living in a state of scarcity. You're living in a state of king mind, of protection, or I can't, I'm not allowed. When you're really living, you're going to mess up. You're going to say the wrong thing at a party. It's going to be a little barf. Yeah, it can be a little barf. You're going to screw up on a podcast interview. Um, yeah. You're going to say the wrong thing to a friend. Uh, you're going to be mad at yourself for, you know, forgetting something really important and messing up or losing money. So healing is something that should be done daily, right? It should be done every single day, every day. And this is where, again, I bring your heart back into it. Um, it's really important to mention your heart has two functions. It takes the oxygen from your lungs. It disperses it through your body, through your blood. It also takes all the debris. It cleans you. People don't realize that, but it actually cleans, right? It, it brings it through the lymph and processes it out to the liver and the intestines and, and out it goes. Your heart is doing two things. It's delivering nutrients and it's taking in the trash, like physically. I say your heart does the same thing emotionally and energetically. It creates feelings. It creates love. It creates desire, creates connection, but it's constantly taking out the garbage, meaning it's constantly in a state of healing as well. It's doing it. And sometimes we don't want it to, and we press it down and we say, no, I can't have that. I don't want to think about that healing now. And we can get in those stuck unhealed states. But if we start shifting the way we feel about it, we realize that I need to be healing a little every day. And it's okay to feel those feelings. And it's doing exactly what it should. So if I feel sad and want to cry tonight, my heart's saying, hey, I need to process out some stuff. Can we please do it? And I'm like, Yes, ma'am. Let's go do it. Let's make it happen. I don't want you stuffed in there for the next 20 years. So that's what I mean by healing being like Disneyland. It's a sign of a good, well-lived, um, full life. So if you're not in a state of healing right now, um, it probably means that you've pulled so far back that there's things you don't want to touch or you're scared of. So the whole area has just gotten walled off. 
And then I'm like, all right, let's begin the journey there. Let's see what little things you want to ruffle through and heal. And it doesn't always mean going into like the really crummy feelings and stuff. Like I don't really suggest that. I like to, to, to start the healing with let's create really great feelings. Let's create new good stuff inside you. Let's create a counterweight so that when you feel really strong or stronger, you feel a little more capable of opening those little doors and saying, yeah, okay, now I need to heal this thing with my brother. Make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, we're winding things up here. And I, I want to ask one final question. Briefly, what final piece of advice would you give our listeners about moving forward? Go listen to my podcast. <laughs> I love my podcast. Fair now. enough. Absolutely. Fair enough. Absolutely. So Sarah, who's going to go join you on that podcast at some That's point. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Sarah, I will be interviewing you for my show. It's called Flow Dreaming, still kind of woo-woo. So yeah, please check that out. And of course, you know, check out the book or my website at flowdreaming.com. Um, aside from that little plug, uh, a piece of advice. If there was anything you heard us dip into today, you didn't have to really resonate with all of it, but maybe there was one thing that snagged your attention. That's what you're looking for. You know, roll that around in your mind. You know, I call it shower thoughts. Let it just be inside of you. Maybe pursue that. You know, whenever I, I hear or feel something that becomes sticky in me, I always take it like, my body, my heart, my being is telling me, go further. There's something there. And it tells me how through emotion, that response where I went, oh, yes. Right. So I get really close into listening. And maybe it was a good feeling like I need more of that. Or maybe it was a squeezy feeling like, ooh, that, that was a zinger. Either way, something in you is saying, right behind that, there's a prize. Do you want to open that door? So pick something that you heard and see if there's a prize there for you. Summer, thank you so much for joining us on Big Universe. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I, I love that you guys were wonderful conversationalists. Appreciate it. We appreciate you. Check out Summer's Summer Mistravic. Check out Summer Mistravic's new book, Stuff Nobody Taught You. 40 Lessons from ME School to help you stop being miserable and start feeling amazing. For more great information about Sarah Bowen and order her new book, Sacred Send-Offs, an animal chaplain's advice for surviving animal loss, making life meaningful and healing the planet, go to sacredsendoffs.com. Thanks, everybody. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.